How's it, everybody? How's it, Nicholas? Yeah, Ronald, good to have you here. Hey, another week, another episode with both of us. Support for this episode is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below the waist grooming. Their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trusted Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PUNTIT20 at manscaped.com. If my maths is correct, that's about 12 million balls. Hey, Ronald, have you done the maths Do we have to talk about 12 million balls every week? Yeah, but you still haven't done the maths, Ronnie. Is that because you can't do the maths? Eh? No, I trust you. I no, trust you. You trust me. Thank what you. What did you get for maths in the trick? Matt's light, eh? The light side of life. What did you get for Matt's light? I did pretty well. I can't remember exactly, but I, I definitely got a distinction. What about you, Ronald? Functional grade maths. Yes. <laughs> and did you make it? Maybe. I did. I'm here to. I'm here recording a podcast with you rather than living on my yacht. So maybe not as well as I know. Fair enough. And maybe the reason you're bad at maths also proves why you lost to me so badly on poker on Friday night. Eh? Suffering. A humbling defeat there, going all in, losing your chips to me, Ronnie. Have you ever won poker? I took your chips. I knocked you out Have of you poker. Ever, no, listen to me, listen to me, because I'm actually, prior to this this previous game of poker, I won twice in a row and took away a healthy sum of money. I'd like to ask you the question, have you ever finished first in any poker round that we've ever played? Are you are you chuffed with yourself now, Ronnie? You sound like a bit of a bull supporter there. Hey? Oh, before this one, I'd won two, oh, 2009. Well, did you win? You didn't win. Uh, from what I recall over the weekend, you didn't win. But I got plenty of satisfaction taking your money. I came second. Yes, he might, he might beat me and he won the money, but I got to knock you out of the game. So that was lacquer. Okay, but we all know that poker is not important here right now. It's all about the rugby. And uh, as far as I can see, I'm whipping you in every pool on Super Brew. So you love love to say that, Ronnie, trusting I haven't actually checked the pools. Then I go back and look and I'm beating you in every one of them. You're not beating me in every one of them. Yeah, I'll have to take your word for it. Not that I trust that too much. But, Ronnie, are you as sold as I am on the Heineken Cup? I mean, what were we in for this weekend? It was insane. It was insane. Yeah, no, it was very good. Very good. I enjoyed a lot of the rugby. Matchups I've never seen before. You know, we, we used to be big fans of Super Rugby, but the problem with Super Rugby is we would just watch too many of the same matchups year in, year out. It was always exciting to watch uh, preseason warm-ups, against the Saracens, you know, when the Sharks went over there and played the Saracens. And then we got a bit of a taste of that with the URC, all new matchups. And then just to top it off, we've now been uh, handed the Heineken Cup and, and the Challenge Cup. It was unbelievable to watch this weekend. And like you say, we didn't have much of a frame of reference to, you know, how strong some of the French and, and English sides are, because that's not rugby we, we regularly watch. But to see those clubs coming through here and some of the incredible rugby on display... We are so lucky to be a part of this competition. It's all these competitions. Absolutely. And I just would also like somebody to explain to me why it's called the Heineken Cup. I don't think it's called the Heineken Cup here in South Africa. It's called the, the Champions Cup, right? I don't think we're allowed to really call it the Heineken Cup. Or... No, so that's funny that you say that because I also thought the same, same would apply here. But it is still the Heineken Cup. If you notice the flags on the side of the field, all of it is, is Heineken Cup. It is the Champions Cup, but Heineken is the sponsor. So it's it's become known as the Heineken Cup 
formally. Remember I want to we... say that you're wrong there, but we'll just wait for the South African fixtures, and then I want to see if the if the Heineken Cup flags are at the South African fixtures as well. They are. I'm talking about Kings Park on the weekend. If you go back and watch the highlights, I specifically noticed that the flags all reflected Heineken Cup on them. Are you one of those that looks at the flags rather than the actual game? No, I look at both. I can multitask, Ronnie. Maybe if you could, you would have beaten me at poker. Do you remember when we were in Amsterdam all that time ago? We went to that. Was it the Heineken experience where we went into that frozen bar? Where you dropped your glass. Was that the Heineken Museum? I, I could be. I wouldn't even know. That was quite an experience. A lot of Blood. things I can't remember from that trip there to Amsterdam. <laughs> it was bloody cold in there. I don't think many people go to Amsterdam for the beer, though, to be fair. So, Ronnie, why don't we dive right in then? You know, first fixture of the weekend saw London Irish lose 27-32 to Montpellier. Montpellier being led by Kourbis Reinach. He had a hell of a game for them. You're a big fanboy of Kourbis Reinach, though. So, whoever he plays for, you back them. 100%. 100%. And, I mean, he really had a good performance. The Sharks debuted for the South Africans in, in the Heineken Cup, winning 39-31 over Quinns. Now, that was a game that'll get your heart racing, hey? That's a, that was a great game to watch, right? So, high scoring from both sides. Relatively high scoring from both sides. But, you know, law of averages dictate that the Sharks are going to get a hammering the next time they face the, 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 the Harlequins because, I mean, they are the world's most average team. We've established this now. Well, it was a much improved performance from the Sharks. And, I mean... Obviously, all their Springboks were back, uh, bar Fassi and uh, Lucanio Am. Great to see Lucanio actually warming up with the side, though. So he is on the men, probably be back in Jan. The Sharks seem to show a bit more attacking prowess. And, you know, I must say, Buddha Chamberlain's really performed quite well at fullback the last two games. So maybe that is a switch that might pay some, some dividends for the Sharks. Yeah, let's hope that continues. But uh, my question to you, Neil Powell. Do you think he's made an impact yet already or not yet? Do you think it's we still have to, to wait and see? Yeah, I think it's a bit hard to tell because you've had two things happen at the same time. You've had a new coach, but you've also had the Springbok players return. So it's going to take a little bit to see, you know, is the impact that the players returned or is the impact the fact that Powell is, is now in charge? But I mean, we saw the Sharks run away with the game in the early stages putting Quinns heavily under pressure. I think that humidity was also getting the better of the, the English side. And then red card for Oxen Chair, followed by a yellow card, Sharks down to 13. And the Quinns are the comeback kings. That's what they're renowned for. So I think we were stressing heavily of, of a Harlequin's comeback and, and victory day. You say that, though, but the Sharks are the kings of playing with 12 and 13 players on the field, so... We did it right. No, we definitely did. And I mean, two tries for Mapimpi. He got man of the match. Very impressive performance from him. You know, one was a nice little flick pass behind the back from Jaden and Mapimpi darting it down. The other, he did quite a bit of work, stepping his way through at close quarters to get, get another try, reaching out for it. My try of the weekend goes to uh, Koch. Yo, what a beast, eh? Not Koch, Koch. Koch. Sorry. What a beast yeah. from Van Koch. That chip and chase, and he catches it. I had no idea the man had that much pace. Standout performer for me in that game is probably Andre Esterhazen. He had a cracker for Quinns. Two tries, and he was everywhere with that ball. I would have liked to have seen him and, and Rohan Janssen van Rensburg do a bit more battle in that game. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's uh, obviously benching Rohan from the start, but would like to see Rohan get a bit more 
game time off, you know, starting, not coming off the bench, not as an impact player, rather as somebody who establishes, finds his feet early in the, on in the game. Yeah, and I'm sure that opportunity will come from him. He's just returning from his ban. Talking a lot about the Sharks. There's some other games as well. You'd swear that there's two Sharks fans on this podcast, eh? (laughs) (laughs) And then, Ronnie, we took a battle between Racing and Leinster. Leinster, again, showing absolute class to win that one 42-10. Humbling Racing Metro in France. So I can't remember what you actually said, uh, who you thought was going to actually win the Heineken Cup. You said something ridiculous, I seem to recall. I think Leinster, for me, is still the team to beat. Yeah, well, Leinster definitely put on a performance there to to get people to stand up and take notice again. We know how powerful they are. And yeah, rightly so, you did predict a win for them. But that performance was so smooth and so impressive. So hopefully they're focusing more on the Heineken Cup and they can leave us alone in the URC for a bit. Gloucester, 22-17 Bordeaux. Quite a close fixture, that one. I unfortunately didn't get to watch it. You know, it shows the level of competitiveness in this competition. And then we moved on to Clermont, 24-14 Stormers. I think everyone thought the Stormers were going to have a cracker. I I predicted last week they would be one of the teams in the final. But a funny off game for the Stormers. Off game for the Stormers or was it just an an on game for Clermont? So I I thought, you know, Clermont at home, going to be difficult for the Stormers to go over there take on Clement, but yeah, well done to Clement for taking that. I, I actually backed it, just just putting it up, just so everybody knows. Yeah, that Ronnie's a traitor. But no, I definitely thought it was an off game for the Stormers. Marnie Lubbock had a bit of a shocker. I think he struggled very, very much in that playmaker jersey, actually causing Blomakis to step up into the, the fly half berth for quite a bit of the last section of the game. And you know, they butchered a lead there, a lot of drop balls, mistiming on the passes. We saw that once from the Stormers in the URC as well. So hopefully it's just a minor blips in concentration. They'll get back onto it. But yeah, very well done to Clermont making a comeback like they did and winning that game. Yeah, absolutely. How hectic was that atmosphere as well? France really know how to, to put on a performance ahead of a game. It's quite lucky to see well, full, the full stadium there. Probably a bit of a build-up to the World Cup happening in a year's time. Yeah, I think rugby seems to be really thriving in France at the moment, which does. It, it's very exciting for the World Cup next year. Now, this now and this is the game I want to talk about because you made certain comments prior to this game and I would really yeah. like to hash that out, Joe. Yeah, so Bulls 42-36, Leon. Jake White, I take my hat off to you. Well done for making me eat my shoe. I'm going to do that after this recording. Right, so uh, Nicholas obviously said, oh, no, the Bulls don't look like they are trying to prioritise the Heineken Cup at all. We're sitting there at the poker night, and, and Nicholas turns to our friend Shane and says, yeah, no, it's just it's disappointing to see what the Bulls are doing, the team that the Bulls are putting out in the field. But Jake White's obviously done a great job there of uh, of getting the W with a team that you believe is, is very subpar. I'd, I wouldn't go as far as calling them subpar, but it's definitely not the Bulls' premier team which is bloody scary if you think about it because they beat Leon the way they did and they scored some excellent tries along the way. So I'd, I would like to say that the Bulls are the South African Leinster. They clearly know how to manage their squads. Well, it's a little bit early, though. It's still, still a couple of rounds left in the Heineken Cup and obviously URC as well. But from, from where I'm sitting, it looks like the Bulls and Jake White knows what he's doing with his squad rotation. Yeah, it seems like he he is doing, or he has it well thought out. Like you said, it's a bit early to see if it's the correct method. But it looks like they've sent the same team that did business against Leon overseas now to face, um, I believe it's Exeter Chiefs, who won in 2020. And then they're keeping the 
what I would consider their main side here for the URC fixture. Yeah, if it pays off for Jake, that's two two big decisions that went in his favor if they can get the win this coming weekend. Mornay stain, class as always, even joking afterwards, he got a bit of cramp. He thinks it's because his legs are old. But, you know, <laughs> the Bulls did it. And, and it surprised me. And actually, just a shout out to the boys from Leon. You know, they got involved in the community here. They went and did some outreach work at some of the local schools. So big shout out to you boys. Thanks for giving back to the community. We appreciate that. Yeah, I just want to say though, before we move on to the next game, the Bulls though, we want to see them strong because traditionally Springboks do well with a good Bulls team. So that'll be my final comment on that game. Yeah, and then we move on to the team I predicted to win this year, La Rochelle, 42-12 Northampton Saints. Big win for La Rochelle as well, hey? 30 point difference. Yeah, I think in the lead up to these, when I was making my picks and trying to determine, I'd, you know, I consider 42-12 quite the blowout and I didn't see that coming from La Rochelle over Northampton. I think I got thrown off a little bit by listening to certain other podcasts or the top rugby podcasts, the so-called top rugby podcast, other people lis- listening to them. And they they were very favorable of the Northampton Saints and I didn't really see this coming. And I think for me, La Rochelle are the French team to beat. You know, they're doing very well at the moment. And yeah, we're going to have to keep our eye on them. Yeah, Raymond Rule, Dylan Lades doing duty there. I mean, they last year's winners and they were the year before runners up. So they've definitely got a powerful squad on them. And then Castro's going down 12 27 to exit to Chiefs. Chiefs is obviously the Bulls' opponents for this weekend, but also a little bit of a blowout. Bit of a blowout, blowout right? So yeah, Exeter. Like you say, rightly, they've got a couple of wins under the belt in recent years. So yeah, I mean, this this really is the first time I've watched the those two te- those two teams so uh, attentively. So I, I look forward to seeing what they can do in the season to come. And then I think it's always a bit embarrassing when this result comes mm. around. Sale thirty nine nil Ulster. That is an absolute hammering and humbling of the Ulster men. I don't think anyone is standing up for the Ulster men right now. Yeah, zero points on the on the scoreboard is uh, it's well, it's really it's testament to sales defense and discipline as well. So, I mean, that Ulster can't even get three points out of it, or or kick for the post and a maul over try. They, they couldn't get a single point out of uh, out of that match. So, well done to sale. It's it's and it's not just defense; it's their discipline as well. Not giving away stupid penalties. Sale, right? Full of South Africans though, as well. Yeah, very very well done to sale for getting that win. 39 points to zero is, I mean, there's not much you can say, but a humbling. So would and you say Rob Dupria running at 10 option for the Springboks? You said this, didn't you? What is, is orange peeler? As orange peeler. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure you said that a couple of weeks or months ago that Rob Dupria is a potential option. And I, I said, absolutely no. It's a, it's a pity we don't have recordings of all this stuff to go back and check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not going through hours and hours of this. Whether we could be very hypocritical at this point, one week say one thing, the other week the other, but uh, I'm pretty sure you back Rob Dupree as a potential ten. Well, let's be honest, Ronnie. It all depends how much beer we've had around the bride before we get to these discussions, as as to the honesty that, beer, can, that can be related to them. Thirty twenty six result for Saracens over Edinburgh. Also a bit of a tight one. I thought the score would have been a bit more in favour of Saracens there. Yeah, they seem to have come back a little bit better from uh, from their time having been banned because of the salary salary cap breach. But yeah, good on Saracens. Yeah, and then we move over to lose Antoine Dupont's side. He saw them to an 18-13 victory over Munster. 
Much improved performance for Munster considering their struggles in the URC and how strong to lose is. Yeah, look, I don't think Munster played to lose. They definitely played to win. Uh, just didn't come off. Thanks, thanks, thanks for that, that Ronnie. Always got to enjoy that joke. And then Leicester Tigers getting a 23-17 win over Ospreys. Jasper Visa, absolute animal as always. That's also Andre Pollard's new side. He's such a big fanboy of Jasper Visa at the moment. Uh, I wonder where Dwayne Vermeulen, Vermeulen fits in your book at the moment. Yeah, Ronnie, that's a question that, that requires a lot of thought because I don't know. I think Dwayne... secretly you hope that Dwayne Vermeulen breaks a leg or something and his rugby career ends so you don't ever have to uh, face that existential crisis. Yeah, it's a problem. It really is a problem that, and because we all love Dwayne, you know, Thor Vermeulen, but Jasper. Yes, I'm a big fan of his and what can change in a year. No, the reality is that Dwayne, for me, can still play another World Cup. He's got another World Cup in him and uh, he's going to retire. There's no way that he can play on after the World Cup, at least not for the Springboks. I well, mean, he Dwayne... has to retire at some point. So at that point, I think Jasper can take the, take the mantle. Well, Dwayne went down no points to sail this weekend with his side Ulster. So mm-hmm. Thor, Thor didn't have a big enough impact there. But then we move on to the Challenge Cup. So that's sort of the second tier competition that, that the teams can qualify. You know, some South Africans in there, Lions and Cheetahs both playing. Lions qualifying, Cheetahs an invitational side. But there we saw a very surprising result from me. 24 to Lon, 21 Zebra. Yeah, well done that? to Zebra. I did not see that. I called a blowout for Toulon. Obviously, Zebra just stepped it up. I mean, they did lose, but they lost. They, they, they... Yeah, I mean they deserved. They could have. They could have won, and everyone would have said they deserved to win. It's game of the year for Zebra that one, if you ask me. <laughs> Three points shy of Toulon, that has Cheslin Colby in it. Well done, Zebra. You guys deserve a shout out for that one. And then another disappointing score: Cardiff forty-one, Reeve zero. Yeah, I mean we said it. We said it with Ulster for a team to hold you down to to zero points. Cardiff, well bloody done. I think the URC is doing you some favours. Some of the South African teams there. You are performing really well in your time over here in South Africa in recent weeks. Your good defence, zero points. I mean, for any any team to hold any other team to zero points is is fantastic. Yeah, you could say that their participation in this tournament is going to be brief. Is that a, was that an attempt at some humour? Yes, you know it's disappointing. Pi- you've just you've just lost us like eight subscribers. We've only got twelve now <laughs> left. You know, we are the punted. You got to throw some puns in there every once in a while. Cheetahs, 21-16 power. So that was a, a very good win for the boys from the Free State. Ruan Pinar there, Franz Stein, Franz Stein. You mean the boy from Italy because they're essentially an Italian-based team in this tournament. Yeah, I guess so. The boys from Italy then. <laughs> <laughs> Bloemfontein, which is just south of uh, of Rome. So, unfortunately, Franz Stein getting injured in that fixture, pulling up a hammy again. I think he needs to be given some proper rehab because he was driving that cheetah's uh, pack around the park with his boots. You know, he's always been crucial to the teams he's involved in with that. But well done to the cheetahs. That's a good, solid victory announcing themselves in this competition and doing it away from home. Just as impressive. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big big fan of the cheetahs, though. We've said, though, Time and time again that the Cheetahs have really, they drew the short straw when it came to all these matchups, all these tournaments. I think adding them to the Challenge Cup was fantastic. 
because uh, they desperately need some game time. Because if they didn't get into the Challenge Cup, what was there really left for them? They, you know, it was only going to be a matter of time before they became completely irrelevant and and possibly merged with, say, the likes of the Lions or, or somebody. So I'm just glad to see the Cheetahs play. I I hope that they win every game that they can. And, I, and secretly, I hope that they do so well that they find themselves in the Heineken Cup. Yeah, I was just about to say, how epic would it be if the Cheetahs win the Challenge Cup and then automatically mm-hmm. qualify? Because they do deserve, they were hard done by, by SA Rugby. Then the Lions, 31-31 draw to the Dragons. It was a bit of a disappointing one at Ellis Park. Yeah, look, I think to score 31 points is good. It means you, you can attack really well. To let 31 points through is pretty poor. It means your defense didn't perform properly. So a draw, considering that the Lions and their recent performance in the, excuse me, in the URC, you know, you would have expected them to come away with the win. A little bit of rain over the weekend, though, but it still was quite hot, I, I would imagine, over at, uh, in Johannesburg. And you thought that the Lions would come away with it. But yeah, how they... Oh, they ended it up in a draw. It's a little bit disappointing for anybody. Yeah, that's definitely true. Lions will be disappointed with that result, not the, the start that they wanted. But the Challenge Cup also dishing up some, some interesting competition here. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's just something that has obviously come up in a couple of discussions recently with respect to the Challenge Cup, and maybe I'll pose this to you, Mr. Nicholas, is that uh, if you go in and look at the structure of the Challenge Cup, You'll see that Pool A in the Challenge Cup has got 10 teams and Pool B's only got eight teams. Now, I, I get that you play in your band. You don't play everyone in your pool. But the top six from each pool would go through, essentially, to the playoff stages, being then joined by the Heineken Cup teams. But ultimately, don't you think it's easier for to, to end top six in a pool of only eight teams than it is to to finish top six in a pool of eight, uh, uh, in a pool of ten. Sorry. So that was just something that came up, and I was just like, well, why? Why would they actually go ahead and do this? And I think we have a we have an answer. Oh, so as you rightly mentioned, there's two teams missing from Pool B. I think it is, and that's the Wasps and uh, Worcester Warriors. Both teams were relegated from the competition or removed from participating because of financial troubles. So, I mean, I don't know how much do you know about what went on there, Ronnie? No, I'm waiting for you to tell me. I'm going to start with the worst one first. So, Wasps were were removed by the RFU for failing to meet their debt obligations. Can you guess how much debt they were in, Ronnie? No idea. In excess of a hundred million pounds. I don't think well, ESCOM owes that much money. You might actually be right. Yeah, that's that. A hundred million pounds is ridiculous. That really is a lot. But, you know, it's also very sad. 167 employees there left without jobs overnight, basically. I mean, not many of them knew it was coming. They stand a chance of appealing if they can prove no fault in solvency. But after the research I did, I do not think that that is possible. You know, it's yeah, it's yes. really sad to see something like this happen to a club, hey? No, because they would, they've been they've been around for many years, though. They've got an established fan base. They've got a stadium. They've got, you know, right? So there's some, some big-name players that played over there. And we had a couple of South Africans involved with it, too. And, you know, ultimately, they lost their jobs. Yeah, I mean, it's Vili LaRue's old club. The craziest thing for me, Ronnie, I found an article from 2015 by The Telegraph. You know what the, the, the article said? Wasps are the wealthiest sports club in the world. Somebody was drinking when they wrote that article. That is ridiculous. Eight years later or seven years later, the club doesn't exist. So that 
they had a 15-man marketing team they used to try and drive up revenue, which actually just ended up costing them tons of money. They got a new buyer in 2015. And when he bought, the club was in 10 million pounds debt. Now we're in 100 million. So he really, he did something stuffed up there. But I mean, to see that they were losing and, that, you know, everyone wants to blame COVID for these sort of things. But they were losing 8 million pounds per annum prior to COVID. That's Jeez. unbelievable. Yeah, look, it's it's definitely it's sad. And, you know, clearly, I don't know, I don't know much about running a, a, a sports franchise, but somebody wasn't doing their job. Yeah, somebody was definitely not doing their job. And then you go over to the Warriors. It's a bit of a different situation that they find themselves in. So they had, as it turns out, a consortium of companies that were sort of owning each other or intertwined in various ways. And the directors there have now been accused of asset stripping, you know, selling stadium rights, selling rights to the grounds, all of this stuff without, you know, the funds coming to the club. So essentially asset stripping them. And they were actually removed, not because of their inability to pay their debt, but because they had an outstanding tax bill of £6 million. Now, under the liquidation, you can see that their total debt is £25 million, which is, I mean, less than a quarter of what the Wasps is. Yeah, big trouble there in, in English rugby at the moment. They say, or in my research I saw, the collective debt of the Premiership clubs is in excess of £500 million. So this clearly, this problem extends across multiple teams, though. So for all we know, we could have seen some more English premiership teams, you know, failing to foot the bill. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting situation because you've obviously got these salary caps in place now. The salary caps on one hand limit what a club can do and the players they can lure and the facilities they can offer. But on the other hand, does it protect the club from situations like this? No, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's a very convoluted, very strange time, very difficult to understand for the layman. Those poor fans, because they've obviously got to switch their allegiance somehow, pick another team. I think they might as well back the cheaters, though. They're yeah, I agree. Boys, to. back the cheaters. They're fighting the good fight, and they need some, some fans that side. But So one yeah. thing we need, do need to do as well is just determine, because we obviously didn't do it in prep for the show, but perhaps we can discuss it as who were they in a bandwidth? So to to obviously they've been removed and the pool structures have been, you know, restructured to 10 in one pool, eight in another. But what what about their opponent that was in their band? Is that why we've got 10 in one pool and eight in another, not nine, nine? How does this work? I think we probably yeah. need to go and investigate that. So they were not in the same bands. That's why they were able to be allocated in the pools. I think Wasps was, was doing fairly well in the Prem this year. I know Warriors were in 10th out of uh, 12 teams. So they were not in the same bands. That's how they ended up in the same pool. But it is, the question is valid. I mean, why did they not rejig the fixtures and the pools? And I have an answer for that. It's because they couldn't get unanimous agreement of all the clubs involved. Yeah, they obviously had some difficult people like you to contend with, people that just didn't ever want to concede. Yeah, why well, concede when you're always right, eh? <laughs> okay, Sheldon. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, we've got the World Schools Festival underway. Some great rugby on display there. I have some of the results. I don't know if you've managed to see any of it, Ronnie. Yeah, so I actually watched uh, just the back end of... I didn't realize that schoolboy rugby is only 60 minutes, so I thought I'd watch a little bit more, but I caught the last 10 minutes of the Gravy Trinity game. So Gray uh, coming away with the win there, 22-7. Is that right? Correct, yeah. So Gray, Gray Bloemfontein, they got a nice win over Trinity from London. 
There was also um, a Winthrop Millfield, an English school over a fellow English school, Cedarburg. That sounds like it should be from Cape Town. The Welsh team, Cardiff and Vale, getting a 12-11 win over St. Michael's from Ireland. Then the big New Zealand school, I hope we're getting a showdown between Gray and them. Hamilton boys, 56-0 for the Invitational side from Fiji Odyssey team. 56-0 is a humbling, hey? So is that the Fijian side? So the last uh, last week's podcast we spoke about, I think in my two cents, I mentioned that and you said that there was still a team to be added and they came from Fiji, is that right? Correct. And there's actually an SA Invitational side also involved now. So that the, the SA Invitational side is called Rugby Travel and they got a 29-17 win over the Fiji Odyssey side as well. Yeah, good wins for South Africa. Two wins on the trot so far. Okay, well, that's very exciting, and I'll definitely be paying attention. I think the next uh, so this podcast will be released uh, on Wednesday, so the next game will be on Thursday, the next set of fixtures. Yeah, and guys, that's some bumper action to watch there. Definitely tune in if you can. Lacquer, uh, lacquer rugby. And then, Ronnie, I think we just need to take this opportunity to thank every one of our listeners this year. It has been an incredible year with you guys. You know, we started this podcast out, two mates that enjoy the game a bit, enjoy a beer and a braai. We thought, you know, we chat rugby all the time. Why not put it on a recording, hey, Ronnie? Yeah, and obviously you've got a, one that knows his rugby really incredibly well, and then we've got you as well. So uh, it's always <laughs> nice to listen to you. You came with a nice, uh, a different aspect with respect to those teams that were taken out of Challenge Cup and being in debt. Uh, you came with a lawyer's perspective, and I think the listeners will appreciate that. You know, the Spotify rap trend came around and we were very, very surprised. I think Ronnie is the only way I can can describe it to see the stats that we got there. So we ranked in at the top 5% most shared podcast in the world, which was unbelievable. You know, we've said we've got a big following in America, but there's a number of countries there. And guys, we appreciate that more than you know. Thanks for sharing us with your mates. Yeah. Bye bye, donkey. And then we also, Ronnie, can you believe it, came in at the top 10% most followed podcasts, again, in the world. Yeah, we just got to thank each and every one of our family members for uh, <laughs> routinely listening to everything, oh, all 20 of our other listeners. One of each of your children, hey? <laughs> 29 countries listening to us on Spotify, SA ranking in first, the UK, Australia, Ireland, and the United States. So lacquer to be getting audiences in those countries. And yeah, guys absolute privilege to be doing this thank you for letting us do it and listening to what we have to say i know you have to listen for about 40 minutes every week to ronnie but don't worry i have to do it too you have to do it more often because you're actually also editing it thank you for tuning in we've got another episode for you next week it's the punter 2022 rugby awards we were joined by dion the no bullshit sports guy so tune in for that one as well and then ronnie that's a wrap (laughs) 